Now, Malachi Branham is probably heading to the NBA and the transfer portal. Gosh, pretty active this week. We'll talk about it and what it means for Ohio State football and basketball in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance. Joining me, Johnny Gender, as always. Johnny, man, you know, for a week that it was feeling like, ah, there's not a whole lot going on. The offseason's here, spring practice, normal kind of tidbits. And then all of a sudden on Monday, uh, things got really interesting with the number mm-hmm. of players in the transfer portal. Uh, we'll talk some football and, and basketball hoops, but this new era of, of player mobility, you know, it's funny how things uh, kind of come in fits and starts, but all of a sudden you start seeing roster movement. Uh, were you surprised to see the number? I think we had a couple of football players and a basketball player hit the portal all in the same, uh, it seems mm-hmm. like about a two hour period. Any surprises when you heard Bryson Shaw hitting the portal, Legend Cavallo hitting the portal, Justin Irons on the basketball side hitting the portal all in the same day? I, well, okay, so I'm not surprised, I guess, maybe in terms of generalities here, because this is probably just the new normal, right? Especially around this time of year, um, where you start to see the writing on the wall, especially if you're a football player, right? You go through camp and you kind of figure out, okay, what's the hierarchy? I'm clearly not near the top. And, you know, if you're a defensive player at Ohio State, I, I think there's definitely, you know, new new blood in the coaching staff is going to make you kind of reevaluate probably your uh, your position on the team a little bit for better or for worse. But it probably doesn't take too many practices to figure out exactly, uh, you know, what that looks like for you in the future. So in, in that sense, I'm not that surprised. Justin Arns, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, given how poorly he's performed uh, in the past season, um, it almost feels like maybe it wasn't entirely his decision, but, you know, obviously you're not forcing anyone out. Um, I I think that's another maybe seeing the writing on the wall kind of thing where he's just not going to get any playing time. Um, So that one's interesting because, you know, they've probably got the roster spots, you know, because we were already talking about the number of, of people that Holtman probably needs to bring in via the portal anyway. A lot. So that, that to me was why the Arns decision was interesting and why I probably would tend to agree with your assessment that it was, Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at this and saying my minutes aren't going to be all that plentiful. Um, even with, you know, the amount of attrition that the program has seen, let's start with football first. So, um, legend Cavazos leaving the program as a red shirt, sophomore defensive back. And then shortly thereafter, you hear Bryson Shaw, a uh, safety who actually saw quite a bit of playing time hitting the mm-hmm. portal as well. He started 12 games for the Buckeyes as the team's top free safety last year, recording 59 tackles. You know, reading the mentions on Twitter and Facebook, not that that's anything that anyone should ever do. I, you know, I'm not sure that any Ohio State fans were shedding tears here, but I, I didn't think Shaw was a, a terrible player to see um, to see process. You know, this wasn't somebody where you're like, oh my God, this is an obvious drag on the team. Maybe not uh, somebody you're thinking about as a future first rounder, but you know, not the kind of, um, transfer that I was just like, oh yeah, that dude's gone. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that, that might be a situation where it's more of, you know, what can I do to maximize my time on the field and possibly, you know, make some moves. I don't know. I mean, I think everyone's goal, probably if you're at Ohio state is the NFL. I don't know that Bryson Shaw is necessarily a guy that people are looking at, but maybe he feels that if he goes to a place where that's, little more advantageous for him um then then maybe he can do that i you know the thing is is that a lot of these decisions don't feel 
they feel spur of the moment because of when they happen and how they happen, right? Like we get some kind of indication that somebody's in the portal and then we put a post on the website and it goes live and all this happens very quickly. I'm sure these guys have been thinking about it for a while, right? Like these are not spur of the moment kind of things where they're just like, well, like I had a bad practice, got to go. Like, I'm sure that's not what, you know, that's not the calculus that they use to make that decision. So I guess it's, it's hard to imagine that that's a long time coming, especially if you're not privy to that information. But um, I don't know, man. It, it, I, I think that for these guys, especially a guy like Bryson Shaw, who I probably, you know, believes that he can go out and start uh, another program, probably a decent program that uh, they're willing to take that chance and hopefully make some money in the process. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it is shocking when you have that many guys all at once. And then that's, you, you, you pull up 11warriors.com and you look at the front page, you're like, huh, well, didn't expect that to happen. And then, it, you know, it, it does. So yeah, I think that's just, that's how, that's how it, we react to it because of how it's you know presented. The show move is interesting. Uh, one, because in, you've got Josh Proctor coming back, uh, in theory going to take over that starting role. Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams, Tanner McAllister, all guys you would expect to see taking on significant reps at the back end of Ohio State's defense. But Shaw is also the guy who played the third most snaps of any uh, Ohio State defensive player last season. Mm-hmm. And he's been taking first reps, first team reps in practice this week at the bandit position. So that that's why I think that one surprised me. On the other hand, there are a dozen scholarship safeties on the roster right now. So with Ohio State currently sitting at something like 18, uh, 88 rather scholarship players, they're three over the limit as it stands. So you would expect to see some other guys moving on here. Uh, you know, I'm not making any speculation or breaking any news, but just looking at the numbers, you'd expect to see some more. Cavazos is a different story. Um, he'd been practicing at the nickel this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but with McAllister and Kim Martinez in line to probably be the guys at the top of the depth charts there, you know, again, not expecting to see significant reps, maybe just six true cornerbacks on scholarship. So that's the one I find really interesting, uh, is there's a lot more depth at Bryce and Charles position than, than what you would expect, um, with Cavazos leaving, not that they couldn't potentially reshuffle those guys, but, uh, you, you know, you might be worried a little bit about depth at the cornerback position. Yeah. Well, I mean. Maybe maybe it depends on how how you feel about addition by subtraction, you know that kind of thing. Because it, if you were super down on the defense already, then you're like, oh, I don't care. And, get, and I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So get get whoever you want in there, and it doesn't really matter. And I don't, you know, I'm ready to just torch that defensive roster anyway. So let's see what uh, you know. Let's see what the new coach come in, Jim Knowles wants to do, and and that's fine. And, that, and I get that, but. At a certain point, attrition does become an issue, and we'll see who they end up replacing these guys with because that's that's going to be the fascinating part about this going into the fall is, uh, you know, what does the depth chart look like? How young are they going to be? How much leadership is there going to be on the defense? Um, you know, how, how does a guy who is getting paid a ton of money, right, to, to write this ship – what is his first move? And especially when you're going to be shuffling a lot of personnel. So that's, that's what makes this interesting. And that's why I think it's important that, uh, you know, even, even a guy like maybe legend who doesn't have a ton of reps or doesn't really, you know, pop out to people when he's on the field, uh, that still makes news. You know, that's still something that we are uh, interested in. 
Yeah. And there were some, uh, there were some other, uh, tidbits out of spring practice this week as Ryan day met with members of the press on Monday said, Cameron Babb will be back uh, in a couple of weeks after a short-term injury. Um, uh, so you had some guys that were back at practice. There was some concern, I think with the Bab situation because of his injury background that he, mm-hmm. it, it might be a bit concerning, but they seemed to pour some cold water on that, that Bab um, had a little bump in the road, I think was the phrase he used, yeah. but he'll be back in a, a couple of weeks. And, and that's a guy that certainly would, would be a benefit to the team to, to, to get back. So any, any, uh, storylines that you've been watching in particular as spring practices have, have rolled on here and the spring game now is just about two weeks away. You know what? Injuries are really interesting to me just in general, because there's been a number of guys, you know, you look across the country and, and see, you know, guys tear the ACL and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the injury, um, thing is going to be interesting just because, you do worry a little bit about depth in general. So I'm kind of, you know, when I saw that, that Bab got hurt, damn, that's, you know, that, that freaked me out. I'm glad that he called it a bump on the road. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I want to see, I want to see the defensive line live up to a lot of the really positive things that they've been saying, right? Like it's that, that's one of those things where I've been trying to read the tea leaves a little bit. And I don't Mm -hmm. know how useful that actually is, but I appreciate that. Um, and then <laughs> how dumb am I? I don't know, Andy, how dumb am I for paying attention to tight ends? Like, is that stupid? I know. I don't, I feel like it's less stupid than it's been in previous seasons, just because of what we've seen. Look, Ohio state's going to throw to the tight end this year, man. I'm calling <laughs> right. it. It's going to happen, but maybe they will. Maybe they will. Right. Hope springs eternal. And maybe they actually will. Maybe that's something that will happen. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, invest a few minutes out of my day to, yeah, let's see how that's going a little bit. I don't know. How about you? What are you thinking? Yeah. Like Kate I, Stover, for example, right? Like that's, that's a story to me. That's Kate, a story to me. Kate Stover is my guy just because, uh, you know, farm kids of the world unite. So I'm, I'm sure. whatever, whatever he decides to line up, but, uh, you know, his tackle, he decides to line up a quarterback. I don't care. I'm going to cheer for that guy. Cause <laughs> I want to see, I want to see my corn fed farm boys, uh, out, out there, out there making hay. Uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow an agricultural uh pun there gotta gotta love that yeah i i mean i this is one of those times of the year where i i, I feel like i'm i'm am in the limbo you know between i'm i'm not like super jacked up about football yet it, it's mm-hmm. spring practice it's good stuff we're getting our first look our first glimpses of what this team might look like uh i'm the storyline I'm most interested in is what Jim Niles does with this defense. That's oh, sure. I, I, I have no worries about anything related to offensive football. As long as Ryan day is the coach of this team, the offense at Ohio state will be good. It, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there things he needs to, you know, fix and clean up and some from last year, there were definitely things last year that drove me crazy at times. Uh, it wasn't quite, you know, give the hide the ball, damn it. Uh, levels of frustration that I had <laughs> at, at certain points during the urban Meyer tenure, but there were definitely, I mean, times. they were the best offense in the country. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good <laughs> yeah i mean literally the best offensive hashtag not bad yeah. uh but i mean for me it's it's all about what does jim Knowles do with this defense because the defense ha- you, how many times did you and i say during football season on the show that if ohio state had even a mediocre defense you know that's a championship team you yeah, know they just they, yeah. they needed a mediocre defense and they didn't have it you know a serviceable defense would would have put that team you know, playing and that would they have won it all? I don't know. That's hard to say. Right. But they, they would have been there. They would have been there. 
It was a good mm-hmm. ball club. It wasn't great. It was a good ball club. They wouldn't have lost to Michigan with a serviceable defense. I, 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 I believe that. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm watching. That's what I'm most excited to see. How much will we know, you know, during the spring, by the time the spring game rolls around, eh, I don't know. See me, see me first week of September, I guess, right. you know, it's when the rubber really meets the road, but, but the other part of why I feel like I'm in limbo here is because there's so much going on personnel wise, these stories, of these transfers in and out. And then, and then the amount of news, and we're going to shift gears from football to shooty hoops, the amount of news dumped on uh, us relative to Ohio state basketball in the last several days now the season has come to a close um for everybody but the two teams playing monday night uh, literally as we were recording this and getting ready for tip off of the national championship game the big news we alluded to of course justin arns entering the transfer portal i want to talk about that more as well as the addition of tanner holden but the big news in my mind related to ohio state basketball was that former ohio state head coach thad mata has been hired to replace Laval jordan at butler huge huge coaching news in in my opinion because uh say what you will about the last five years of the mata experience that mata was a fantastic head coach at ohio state no reason to think aside from questions about his health which you know will he's the only man who can answer that uh is is no doubt in my mind he has the ability to be a championship caliber coach at butler again yeah, well, I mean, assuming, you know, if his back is feeling good and the dude can, you know, the dude can actually like physically get through a season, you got to believe in the guy. And it's, I don't know, I will say, I, I'm of two minds on this, actually. I love Thad Mata, and I very much am happy that he's back coaching. And I'm also very surprised because I think most people would think that that, that ship had sailed long ago. Um but he's definitely in a familiar place. We'll be comfortable. I hope I really, I hope and pray that this guy is healthy and able to do that because peak Thad Mata is a very, 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 very good basketball coach. Um, I do. I wonder a little bit how much we're kind of retconning uh, the last few years of his tenure into just saying it was all about health. Um, there are a lot of just dumb personnel decisions they they brought in here's the thing okay that mata brought in really excellent classes all the way up into the end he was bringing in some really good players and then they all left they just yeah. straight up pieced out and mm-hmm. the ones that didn't were huge busts right like some of these guys were really really highly talented we talk about amir williams right you know amir williams is one of the most sought after recruits in all of the united states when he came in and he just was bad. He didn't seem like he wanted to play basketball and Thad Mata and company weren't able to, to motivate him to do that. So part of me wonders how much of this actually, like, uh, you know, his, his downfall at Ohio State was due to his health versus maybe the game had just passed him by a little bit. But on the other hand, maybe time off was good for him, both health-wise and, you know, scheme-wise and all that kind of stuff, personnel-wise, and he'll come back you know, guns a blazer. And I really hope that's the case because like I said, the college basketball is a lot better with that Mata in it. Um, as a human being, he's just hilarious and amazing. And uh, it's, it's a shame that his tenure at Ohio state ended the way it did. So I'm, I'm really happy he's back. And I, I hope that he's a hundred percent or at least some semblance of that, because I, I really love watching the dude in the game. Yeah. The thing that I find interesting here, as far as the stories I'll be watching coming out of this are, are threefold one, uh, totally agree with you. I thought the ship had sailed, particularly when 
he joined Indiana's program as an associate athletic director, I, I yeah. thought, Hey, you know what? He, he's, he's moving on, uh, to that administrative life, that sweet, sweet admin life, um, let the money roll and not have to worry about it. So, so that, that was sort of what I thought was the end of the road. Um, so the second thing I'm, I'm really kind of interested to see is, you know, he's been out of coaching now since 2017, mm. It's not, you know, there's a lot that this game has changed in the years since that model was last a head basketball coach. Yep. That's a very lot, true. A lot has changed the portal NIL, uh, all of, all of the, the stuff that happened with these blue chip programs and the FBI investigation and so on, how it kind of blew this whole thing open and the, the shoe money that was getting thrown around here, uh, through the, the, the literal bagman in this case, I, I just, I'm curious to see how does Mata uh, fit and, and how does, cause you look at some of these guys we've talked about on the football side of things, you know, the coaches who, who have not navigated that well, or, or who have maybe made it work, but hate it. You know, I think about like a Dabo Swinney and Mata's not a guy I think that's going to, going to gripe and complain and bellyache about NIL and player mobility and, and so on. That just doesn't seem like his MO. Uh, but you know, ha- how, how does he feel about those things and how will they affect how he runs uh, mm-hmm. a program that that's really interesting to me. And then the third one is how soon does this come back to bite Ohio state in the ass in the form of Butler bouncing the Buckeyes from a tournament okay. in, in the first round, you know, all like. right, but we, okay. <laughs> Can I say something about it? We, we were making jokes about that in Slack. I want to tell you something. It was like, Oh, people are going to be really mad when an 11 seed Butler takes out a six seed Ohio state we're pretty optimistic that Ohio state's going to get a six seed this coming season. I'm sorry that I, I would feel much more confident about like, you know, a Butler a Butler loss or something like that at some point, or, or however the shenanigans work with the selection committee ends up taking out Ohio state because they didn't meet whatever criteria that some mid-major did. Um, Cause they didn't win enough games. Like Ohio state's coming into the tournament with like 18 wins or something or 17 wins. And uh, they're like the, one of the first, you know, teams out because of the way it works out or last teams out or whatever. Um, I, I don't see Ohio state <laughs> like I, in a world where that happened, that would be incredibly funny. And I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be happy about it, but it would, it would probably be just desserts. Um, Ohio state's gotta be a lot better than I think they're going to be next season for something like that to happen. I, I'm, I'm not super confident. In that. Well, and one of the reasons I don't think either of us are super confident in Ohio State's prospects next year uh, is that Ohio State freshman Malachi Branham declared he would enter the NBA draft. And while he has kept his college eligibility intact, I don't think anyone in this room or anyone breathing air uh, at the moment thinks he is coming back to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of the projections suggest he's a first rounder. Uh, As the kids say these days, he gone. I was surprised, but I was a little surprised that he, he went this route just because I feel like okay, you'll be a 15, 16, 17, whatever pick. I, I got to believe that if he came out and just did what he was able to do for most of the second half of this past season, I mean, the dude could have been like a high lottery pick. And I just, I'm surprised that he pulled the trigger this early, but on the other hand, maybe he's going, okay, no EJ, right? Teams mm-hmm. in flux, no Justin Arns. I mean, you know, no Justin to like that, that may have been the teams thing that against, you know, commit to the three to fit, you know, to defend the three. Uh, maybe, maybe he's like, oh, this is as good as it's going to get. And I don't want to be dragging a team around for another season here where I'm going to be the obvious focus of the offense. 
and I'm going to go get my money. And I, that I would respect and understand that that doesn't make sense. Ohio state has had a bit of a mixed track record with players testing the waters. Caleb Wesson and EJ Liddell both went into the draft, but ultimately came back to play another season. Dwayne Washington jr. On the other hand, remained in the draft last season uh, after I think most of us thought he would come back and mm-hmm. then he didn't. I think this is a much clearer cut scenario where, where Branham is, is, is going to go cash that big time money uh, and no reason that he shouldn't really. Uh, I think he could, I think he could absolutely play himself into a lottery pick by, by, by coming back and, you know, could be the best player in the country by coming back, but uh, hard to eat expectations you know know, the the, the proverbial one in the hand and two in the bush sort of thing i think and if you get hurt i mean yeah there's a lot of factors well i've i've told this story before although it's it's probably been a minute you know greg odin's the guy that convinced me years ago that if if you're going to be a first rounder go get it because Mm -hmm. you know look at look at that guy if he hadn't gone when he did uh, you know, given the injuries that, that he suffered and ultimately ended his career, Yep. you know what, but, but he went and got that, he went and got that paycheck. Um, it, you, you know, he could have very well had those same injuries in another year at Ohio state and never gotten to cash that check. Right. So I used to be one of these guys was like, Oh, they need to come back. They need to come back. They need to come back. And I was very selfish. I was, I was being a selfish fan and Greg Oden, you know, that, I loved watching that guy play. Loved it. Would have loved to see him play another year at Ohio State. And then you see what happens to him. Uh, then you say, you know what? No, they got to do what's right for them first because they got to they got to eat for the rest of their days. You know, mm-hmm. there always be there always be another kid to come play Ohio State basketball. Right. Uh, that's that that's what really changed my mind. So I, I don't expect Brandon to come back. Uh, Ohio State trying to address the loss, the presumed loss of Brandon and what he meant to the team through the form of right state guard transfer Tanner Holden. So while the portal giveth and the portal taketh away, uh, Holden will be joining the Buckeyes, uh, a six foot, 685 pound guard originally from Wheelersburg, Ohio, who averaged a little more than 20.7 rebounds and nearly three assists per game Mm -hmm. as an all horizon league performer last season with the Raiders. Uh, you know, not a bad little pickup. I think we bang on Holtman for uh, his maybe lack of success. Although I think Jamari Wheeler was a good pickup through the portal. I think he's had some good successes in the portal. Just maybe overall, he's also gotten some duds out of the portal. I think this is this is one that looks to me like it could be a good pickup. Well, first of all, you know, Wright State, a lot of people may see that and go, oh, my God, right? Like Wright State run college. What are we talking about? Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, you know, they're, they're, but I'm bumped. Yeah, but no, but that's the, that's the right, but that's the saying, right. And the, the thing is, is that, um, Wright State University, I think gets a bad rap sometimes. And I think Wright State, the basketball team maybe is a little, well, I would say a lot bit underrated. I don't think people really understand, um, how deep college basketball is in Southwestern Ohio and, and Wright State is part of that. They, they've had maybe not a consistently, good basketball program but they've had years in the past where they've they've bumped up and and done some cool things um in the horizon league so that you know i don't know how well that will translate to the big 10 you know where you're just i mean that (laughs) big 10 i i know people like to kind of wax poetic about how tough it is and how hard it is but it, it really is it's a rough conference and and you really do get beat up um, so I, you know, I want to see another scoring guard, right? I like that. That's fun. Um, but it remains to be seen how it'll hold up, 
um, and a Big Ten schedule. So I, I I like that you're adding offense. That's that's great. Um, you know, yeah, because you going- you've got to. I mean, because you've got to try to make up for not not just Branham scoring, but Liddell scoring. Yeah, right, those your two right. scores there. They're gone, and right. and so you you've got to get some points on on the board and you need to do uh, it quickly it, it, yeah. it's not a thing where you can like wait for a guy to develop right like you know and that's the thing we've talked about brand i'm like wow he really emerged halfway through the year well that's great and you could do that because you had aj liddell um and you don't have ej liddell you, you don't you don't have that scoring uh to kind of lean on while you wait for other guys to kind of figure things out and, and become you know an nba draft pick so i agree i i think getting those guys in who can get you points hopefully very quickly is is a big deal yeah and yeah i just hope it works out you've still got some open questions you know what's the status of justice suing that that you know is a is a big question yeah um you know looking at the class coming in how many of them are going to be ready to go and and really contribute uh certainly have a really good class looking at uh, uh bruce thornton the number eight point guard in the class and, and Ohio mm. State badly needs a point point guard uh, a couple of four-star wings and roddy gale and bryce sensabaugh sensabaugh by the way uh recently named the winner the florida mr basketball award so you like that the the number five recruiting class for the buckeyes looking pretty good you also had um thornton as the mr georgia basketball award so high state's got some stars coming in but but clearly holtman's got to build a cast around them so the addition of holden is good justin arns we mentioned leaving he announced monday he was out i i agree with your uh, assessment earlier that maybe wasn't necessarily his choice uh arns averaged 4.8 points a game this season you know for a guy who was supposed to be your three-point specialist playing 20 minutes a game and averaging basically a three and a half not good enough just not good enough uh so you know hey that's you 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 don't necessarily like seeing guys processed per per se if if we want to take that view of the situation but they've got to they've got to get some more production in there um other players that ohio state's been linked to via the portal would be would include morehead state transfer johnny broom a 610 big man that was this conference's defensive player of the year Certainly some more defense would would like that. I uh, would, would like that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a big man, cause the loss of Kyle young is going to be one where there again, that's a guy, you know, to me, the, the part of the reason I'm so concerned about how tough this next season could be, even with that class coming in, we just talked about is you're losing in my mind, the three most important players on this year's roster in Liddell, Branham and Kyle young. Mm-hmm. We saw what the team did without Kyle Young, like how much it struggled when Young wasn't healthy stra- down the, the the stretch run there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it, there's so much unknown, and that's really the thing. I mean, we can speculate all we want and, and applaud these transfers and whatnot, but you got to wait a long time to get them back on the court. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what bothers me is that yeah. we're, we're just a couple of weeks out of another, you know, early exit of March madness. And you're like, well, that was probably predictable. Okay. But as I've said and harped on for weeks now is that that might've been predictable, but it's also disappointing. And, um, and it's in part disappointing because it's predictable. So the other issue is that you don't really get to kind of <laughs> enjoy really any aspect of the last couple of months 
uh, in, in Ohio State men's basketball. Instead, you just kind of have to sit around and wait for the season to start up again. And by and really, it's it's even longer than that because it's not when the season really starts. It's when the season kind of heats up, and that's after college football is done, right? And and you yeah. really start to see what they can do. And so you've you've got basically ten months before you really start to get back into this thing, or nine months, you know, at best. Um, it's a long time to wait to see how this team has evolved. Um, and then if you have another disappointing season, I mean, I, I don't think that Holtman would, you know, if they have a disappointing season, if there's an outright disaster, he'll get fired. But if they just have another disappointing season, they'll, they'll keep him on the hook for probably another season. Um, I don't think they should. I, I think that's, you just got to know when to cut bait, but, um, that's what's frustrating about all of this because it's going to take so long to see any of this come to fruition. What we're now, talking about. There's some guys in the transfer portal that are interesting. You know, Ohio state has targeted Jalen bridges forward out of West Virginia would be a guy who could bring some things to the table that they, they would badly need. Um, you, you look at, uh, uh, they've been linked to Rob Fennessy out of Indiana. He was a former four-star prospect. I don't know that I saw a huge amount out of him that made my little heart go pitter pat. Uh, but you know, could, could, and maybe it's just because I'm jaded by the, the Joey Brunk experience, you know, Indiana transfers and all, um, Ali Ali from Akron. That's another, it's kind of an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Six foot eight junior put 17 points a game and was, uh, I think the, uh, second leading scorer behind EJ Liddell and Ohio state's game versus Akron. So that one to me is really interesting. Uh, and those are ones that we know Ohio state's been targeting, you know, other names that are out there, the LSU situation, you know, with literally everyone <laughs> leaving LSU, um, Efton Reed, you know, is a guy that, okay, could, could they be in the mix there? Uh, Andre Curbelo from Illinois. That's yeah, kind of an interesting one. So, you know, there's some, there's some guys out there in the transfer portal that if Ohio state would get, and let's be real, they could get two or three of these, right? They've got the roster space to do it. Mm-hmm. It could be, it could be a really interesting team. Do I think that their final four team, <laughs> you know, okay. No, <laughs> may, may, maybe. I'll answer your question for you. No. Maybe are they an eight No. Are they a sweet 16? Uh, probably not. I, I mean, again, like that's the thing. Like I, a 15 I, seeds are making a sweet 16 regularly now. So, you know, yeah, I'm, but not, but Holtman's <laughs> aren't. And that's the problem. Yeah. That's the, that is the chief problem here. It's not the players. It's not the players. Okay. And that's, that's what's so frustrating about this because the common denominator of all of these teams, right. in the past several years at this point, we're not talking about a couple of years into a coach's tenure where they're just kind of struggling to find their footing and figuring out the conference. We're, we're pretty deep into it at this point. Mm-hmm. The common denominator is Chris Holman. And we can talk about roster management, who's coming in and what the transfer portal is going to look like and blah, blah, blah. The common denominator is Chris Holtman. Is he up to the task of getting his team to where other teams, worse teams with bigger problems have been able to get? And that's the issue. Um, So to me, this is a coaching issue. And I I, I know like, yes, obviously roster management is a big part about this and and you got to figure that out, but that's again, that's on Holtman. Um, So I I don't know, man, I, I just, that's why I guess I'm frustrated about this because it's hard to get excited about transfers and things like that, because you have no idea how it's going to work out. And you don't have a ton of confidence that the guy who is bringing them in and coaching them up is going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So if I did, and if this were Thad Mata, right. 
if this were Thad Mata, if this were a healthy Thad Mata and they're coming off, you know, Thad's coming off a couple of disappointing seasons, but then they start, you know, got a really great recruiting class coming in. You're bringing in some hot shot transfers. I get excited about that because I'm like, okay, I know what this guy can do with that kind of talent. I know what this guy can do with a really great recruiting class. I've seen it. I haven't seen it from Holtman. I haven't seen it. So how can I get excited about it? One of the pieces of this puzzle that I I guess I haven't quite figured out yet is what role I think Holtman staff plays in all of this, not just him, but the guys around him. Because, you know, I think about the Mata experience and you could definitely see sort of, you know, in addition to the discussion we had about his, his health and his back injury, uh, looking at the ebb and flow of his assistants, you know, and he had some guys mm-hmm. that went on to, to, you know, head coaching, uh, success, but, but you could see some of that too. I mean, we always talk about that on football too. When you looked at, at urban Meyer, his, his ups and downs, uh, as a coach largely coincided with how well or how poorly he did hiring his assistants. And so you've got, you know, the, the necessity basically of, of building a new staff with your two key assistants moving on to head coaching jobs this year for Chris Holtman, uh, Ohio state hiring former Miami of Ohio head coach, Jack Owens, an assistant coaching role. You know, that was a name I'd say a lot of us probably never heard of, uh, if you're not just following the Mac closely, but having another former head coach on staff, this case, replacing, uh, Tony skin, who went to join the staff at Maryland, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, not a great coaching record as a head coach, but as an assistant, you know, he's on, staff at Purdue for nine years under Matt Painter, um, you know, three as an assistant and six as an associate head coach. Like that's, that's decent bona fides to me because sure. I think we'd agree Matt Painter's a good basketball coach. Yeah. Uh, so if you're on his staff for nine years, you know, there's probably some stuff, you know, there that could be useful to Holtman in the program. Uh, one, the one that I'm, I'm really curious about too, is then for the second position of, okay, will they bring in somebody else? Uh, it sounds like they're going to promote Mike Nettie, uh, you know, a special assistant to head coach, Chris Holtman. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, cause we saw some of that when we talked about the, uh, urban Meyer experience, the, 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 the promoting from within or the, I'm hiring somebody I know, you know, I, I maybe would have liked to have seen, you know, a higher impact type of hire that said, you know, the guy's got the chops to do it next man up yeah well and that's but you got to find those chops right and and hope that it's (laughs) hope that it works out i i agree i mean i like the the idea of bringing in sometimes even if the guy didn't do great as a head coach i i kind of like bringing in somebody with that kind of experience um because there are a lot of things that going go into being a successful head coach particularly at a mac school right yeah and And maybe you're good at some of those but not all of them right yeah yeah, maybe so you're a good I, recruiter, I'm, I'm, I'm but not cool a great administrator. Maybe you're a good, you know, maybe you're a good teacher, but you're not a great game planner. Maybe, you know, there's a look at how many guys we've talked about who, you know, are great position coaches and terrible coordinators. Or they're great coordinators, but they're terrible head coaches. Or how many former head coaches have turned out, you know, to come back and be great assistant coaches, you know. So that sure. th- this this will be interesting to me um, to see what this staff is able to do, particularly with the transfers. Uh, that we're talking about here in play. How are they recruiting that transfer portal? You know, hopefully they hit the ground running there and and can bring in some impact players to at, at least stanch some of the bleeding that I think you and I are concerned we will see uh-huh. <laughs> next season out of this basketball team. All right. Yep. I think that's going to do it for Shooty Hoops. Let's, uh, let's shift to our mutually favorite uh, segment of the program, Ask Us Anything. 
Good time to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, merchandise, everything for the discerning fan of 11 Warriors and uh, the finer things in life in general, drygoods.11warriors.com. What have we in the mailbag, my friend? Well, we remind you that you can send us all kinds of questions, and I mean all kinds of questions, as evidenced by the question that we have this week, actually. I'm very excited to answer. Uh, but you can send those to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, and let's let's get right into it. I, I really want to have a conversation about this, Andy. And this is from our good friend, Alvin, who wants to know simply, is the metaverse a viable, a viable technological space or a gimmick? Uh, maybe I'm going to be contrarian here. Maybe this is an old man yells at cloud uh, to uh, the moment, but I, it's not. I, I'm, I'm, I have a huge rant prepared, but please go ahead. I, like, this is the biggest gimmick I've ever heard in my life. I, I this is, it, it's, you know, like Greg grew up watching since we're just fresh off WrestleMania weekend. I grew up watching, uh, Vince McMahon's world wrestling federation, the WWF forever, baby. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, the question was always, is it a shoot or a work? Uh, and my, <laughs> and my answer to this, if, if the metaverse, if we were asking, is this a shoot or a work? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, maybe it's because I don't get it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it. That's There's just nothing like, to get. Well, and, and look, you know, I, I get, I, I, I get a little, you know, I feel like a curmudgeon when I talk about some of the stuff, because I, I was following, um, somebody on Instagram the other day and they're in Miami for like NFT week. And, and I'm watching this person going around some like mixer junket sort of thing with other social media influencer types. And they're, you know, number one NFTs. I'm like, okay, what, what exactly are we, there's no value created here. This is just a transfer of money from one gullible idiot to one slightly less gullible idiot or, or from one gullible idiot to, you know, conniving bastard, depending on how cynical you want to be about it. But I'm watching this person, you know, posting on their Instagram story and they're doing some like augmented reality nft type thing and i'm watching and i'm thinking number one this is not entertaining to me and number two this just feels like you've taken two or three buzzwords and tried to mash them together to get more gullible people to give you money yeah (laughs) i mean it just feels to me like that's that's it that's exactly it, it feels and maybe it's my old school economics background coming back to me but i'm like there is no intrinsic value in any of this any of no. there's no underlying asset of value all right well then okay so let's let's you're right but let's let's get into why that is so one of the biggest things that drives me crazy about this entire thing and i'll i'll elaborate in a second before i go back in time a little bit but the one of the things that drives me crazy about this is that we give facebook and other large companies like this credit for simply existing and we say that, well, you're a successful company. You're, you have made good decisions in the past. You're obviously very large, very profitable. So therefore, when you make a decision to do something and you make a choice, it's a good choice because you're successful. And I'm going to explain real quick why I don't believe that. And it's because the metaverse already exists. It's called Second Life. It was a VR simulation life BS crap thing that started in the early to mid 2000s. So about 15 years ago. And it essentially was a haven for people to do all kinds of really weird things. Uh, I'm just saying 
it, we're not talking about a mainstream environment for most people. The funny thing about Second Life is that it tried to be. I was in college in 2000, uh, well, from 2003 to, through 2008, when a lot of these large institutions of higher learning thought that they could hop on this train, the Second Life train, and make a virtual space for education that they could control and direct, right? And, you know, Facebook's a very large influential company, but some of these colleges and universities also very large and influential, and they were putting in a ton of money into trying to make this a reality. And of course it fell apart because that's not why people were going into Second Life. They weren't going to watch, you know, lectures from people about, Burma or, you know, like the situation in, in, you know, Chile or anything like that. They didn't care. They went there to make memes and, you know, emotes of people like spinning on their head. Like that's why they did that. So the problem with this whole thing that Facebook is trying to do, okay, in, in the virtual space, and I know it's got the added edition, right, of, uh, you know, the metaverse has this whole added edition of virtual reality and whatever, which again, in and of itself, I think is a gimmick, but um, they want to be able to try to curate something that people are drawn to because it's uncurated, right? They mm -hmm. don't, they, they, people are interested in spaces like those because they, they don't have rules. Yeah. And so now you're trying to create a space that is not only has tons of rules, but they're Facebook's rules, <laughs> which are even more odious than people would normally have. So Again, what really galls me about this whole thing is that people are taking it seriously. It'd be one thing if people were just laughing at Facebook and saying, well, that's stupid, right? But there's a number of people who are thinking, oh, maybe because it's Facebook. Like, no, it's stupid. And, and you're allowed to call it stupid. And Mark Zuckerberg isn't going to like show up to your house <laughs> and say, no, it's really a good idea, guys. You just got to you just got to enjoy it. Like, no, it's not. It's a stupid idea. Like, I it's think... OK to call it stupid. It's called it's OK to say Facebook screwed up. And that it's they're not perfect, and that they're they're losing you know their cultural uh, cachet because they are. Well, and, I don't uh, I don't even know that I'm willing to say it's a screw up because, and here's why. I think the other piece of this that people need to understand when you're talking about a company of the size, say Facebook, Amazon, Google. I I don't know if you remember this or or even if this is still a thing or not. This may not. This may still be a thing. I don't know. But I remember there was a, a, a colleague of mine who was really into uh, he's, he's one of these first adopter, you know, bleeding edge of technology kind of guys, sure. you know, will always stand in line for the newest iPhone, you know, kind of right. guy. And he had uh, Google Glass. Do you remember Google Glass? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So VR, VR world right on your face. We're going to ignore all the potential privacy issues and, and things like that. But we're, we're going to give you this cool little gadget we'll put on your glasses and then yeah. you can just look up people's numbers when you look at them. And that's so he got, loves that. he got a pair. You know, he was one of the ones that got the beta, you know, Google Glass and, and was walking around a, an industry trade show convention that we were doing. And, uh, you know, and that was it was kind of interesting, but like. That's one of those things that because Google has more money than God, because Facebook has an obscene amount of money that they will never be able to turn through, they can afford to do like really goofy research, right? They can afford mm -hmm. to do really goofy R&D because what are they going to do? Run out of money? No, no, they're not going to run out of money. Right. So Zuckerberg can be like, hey, guys, let's do plus. And you know what? We can throw a billion dollars after that. And who cares? Right. That, that to me is what a lot of this is, is that you've got uh, a literal billionaire with nothing better to do 
than to be like, yeah, let's create, you know, some um, newfangled version of Second Life. You know, I remember when Second Life came out, I was thinking to be like, how's this different from The Sims again? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't well, know. <laughs> and the metaverse as a concept, right? Like if we're talking about a three dimensional virtual world, right, where people interact with each other. I understand why people think that's appealing because it feels like the future, right? It really does. And that's why a company like Facebook is interested in that because that's what they're all about. They, they need to be on what they perceive to be the cutting edge. Yeah. Um, and I think they're misreading the room and I, it's not, you know, it's not that people interacting is a bad bet right online you know what i mean i'm not i'm not saying that like people sharing a virtual space is a, a bad bet what i'm saying is people sharing a curated virtual space right. is a bad bet especially when the people doing that are facebook <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's and so that's the thing so alvin if you're asking a general question about and i know we focus mostly on like you know facebook here um if you're if you're talking about in general right maybe at some point technologically people will get to the ready player one universe or whatever where we're all putting on our virtual headsets or whatever and and interacting that way i don't really foresee that happening either i think there's just too many just physical hardware issues that people just don't want to deal with when it comes to that kind of kind of stuff um not to get super into the weeds on this but i feel like if, if we're talking about a giant push for some kind of societal you know change right and how we view the universe uh i got a feeling that we're still gonna have to show up for work on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you gotta, know what i mean you, you gotta pay the rent somehow yeah yeah all right so yeah thank you for asking that question Alvin. that was excellent and i'm sorry i went on a big long rant about it but uh it's it's dumb facebook's uh metaverse is stupid how about that preach on homie we lost we lost a listener in mark zuckerberg today he gone he gone yeah i have to uh give a shout out this isn't quite an ask us anything but i have to give a shout out to uh to to my man buckeye chief you know he submitted some great questions last couple weeks while we were recording he sent me a link this isn't a question but i but i i got a kick out of it because he sent it while we were taping the show um that (laughs) this is from story from espn that for the masters waffle house and adidas have teamed up for waffle themed golf shoes wow that's that's probably the most interested i've been in the masters ever i i I mean and and the lead of the story is something to the effect of that the masters and waffle house are two georgia institutions well yeah yes i guess that's true and sure having just been in georgia over the weekend and eaten at waffle house i think no fewer than three times over the (laughs) five or six days that i was uh was down south um but i got to admit Number one, I didn't see Waffle House doing a master's promo. Uh, those are two demo audiences I didn't necessarily see overlapping. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, a Waffle House shoe deal was not one that I ever saw coming. But uh, I guess I guess my, my question on you, question for you, is would you be dropping uh, a, a couple of C-notes for a waffle house limited edition two or 360 golf shoe well i don't i don't play golf at all but i i will say similarly and i'm actually kicking myself pun uh kicking myself for not yeah for not following through on this and i know that our uh, our good friend uh, david did and i'm jealous 
but uh, Skyline Chili had a limited run of sneakers, Skyline Chili themed sneakers. I did not pull the trigger on that. I'm really stupid that I'm just very salty that I did not do that. Um, would have been a wise investment on my part. I just didn't, I didn't go through with it. So, I mean, I'm an avowed Waffle House evangelist, so I'm, I may have to pull the trigger on these, although my wife might actually shoot me and bury me in the backyard if I buy. Yeah, but you, at least you'd be wearing some pretty (laughs) shoes. I mean, yeah, the shoe has the Waffle House insignia on the back with a waffle square print along the shoe in a muted color that mimics waffles and syrup in what adidas is calling a batter like colorway i love it um i have to admit i don't know shoe lingo that well my man buckeye chief is uh is a sneakerhead, and nice. so i will defer to him on whether or not these are uh hip or square mm-hmm. um that, do the kids say that these days no, no they don't no? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whoops but you know what they should because it's it's I like, it's it's hip to be a square it is hip um, to be square yes. he really was in the news i was listening us. to that driving back from uh atlanta at about two in the morning sunday go. night yeah that'll keep you up that's huey lewis is good traveling music you know oh, yeah. i, I don't disagree i gotta admit i love the sports album you know to uh sports to, to, <laughs> yeah you're patrick bateman yeah i, I mean that's <laughs> i was gonna see if anybody would pick up the reference God, um, we, we are into so much of the the same goofy uh pop culture uh errata that's that's funny okay moving on <laughs> uh last thing uh, i do appreciate that you sent me i i have heard this before and i debated um <laughs> i debated showing it or, or having my students listen to it but i ultimately decided against it just because it's a little little too intimate um but uh yeah lbj ordering pants is an excellent yes um, it's yeah. so good if people it, it really is good because oh. it's, it's it's really him and that's a real legitimate audio that was that was somehow collected and then released to the public so there's some great audio that's out there of like famous people you know in 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 hilarious situations so for for people who have not heard this and and i first heard this or or watched this little video on youtube god i i don't know seven or eight years ago probably it's it's been around a little while but but the setup is that lyndon baines johnson president of the united states from the White House calls, um, I think Joe Hager, the, the 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 one of the, the I think the son of the namesake of the Hager Menswear Company, mm-hmm. and he needs to order pants. He, he wants a half a dozen pairs of summer slacks, and so he just calls Hager up, and LBJ <laughs> was a good old boy, right? Like, yeah, so, yeah, he just goes in extreme detail about like his undercarriage and how yes. everything needs to fit. Yeah, it's just like. I mean, this is a guy who pooped with the door open, right? And just, he, I mean, he didn't care. Like he just, he was a, a, in a lot of ways, a, a great human being, a very flawed human being, but uh, also really gross. And yeah. <laughs> it just did not, just did not well, give a crap. To, to, to wit in the middle of the call, like I think he belches right in the middle of yeah, the he call. Does. He's he does. talking he to Joe Hager. Right into the mic. Does Yeah. Right into the receiver. Just and just carries and, on without missing a beat. You know, and, and I, in a lot of ways, that phone call reminded me of my grandpa and I's like, I could hear my grandpa asking the tailor to cut his pants the way LG, LBJ right. described. So, you know, for those of us of a certain age, you maybe had grandfathers of a certain age, you know, growing up like this, the, the video or the, the audio kind of took me back to that. The other thing that cracked me up was that whatever YouTuber found this audio 
does like this little you know line sketch oh, yeah, it's animation yeah. of lbj on the phone ordering these pants and that was hilarious too it just added a little something yeah. to it the I other agree. piece of hot mic audio that you need to listen to and don't listen to this one it makes company because it gets um and, and it doesn't get like nasty but uh definitely words that you don't want your nine-year-old listening to on the way to school or something um is casey Kasem and the snuggles dedication so for people who <laughs> maybe aren't big radio junkies like i you know i worked in radio for for almost a decade and i radio will always be my first love of of the mediums uh and case case the great top 40 voice uh, of shaggy uh, voice good. of shaggy i mean dude was a legend tremendous set of pipes just i i love casey case and well is, is for people who listen to top 40 who know uh, at at top 40 he would do these long distance dedications he would say, <clears throat> and now a long distance dedication and he would go into whatever the letter is that somebody had asked for and this one was a letter from a little boy i think in cincinnati now that i say this who wanted a song played for uh because his, his dog snuggles has died his little dog snuggles mm -hmm. and so casey's reading this he's he's taping the show and he screws up the line. He like trips over the screen. He's reading the script order and he, he needs to take a second take. And it just goes off the rails because <laughs> apparently whoever programmed the show, you know, as they're, as they're building out the playlist, the songs they're playing, it's an up-tempo song. And he comes out of this up-tempo song into this death dedication. <laughs> and it really throws him off. You know, we're playing some, you know, hop, some, some poppy number from the Bee Gees or something. We don't know what the song was, but some poppy, <laughs> some poppy uh, number. Staying alive from the Bee Gees. Uh, sorry, Tim. Yeah, right, died. right. And, and, and now, uh, uh, you know, a, a long distance dedication, a little boy and his dog snuggles. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he just loses it. And he starts just. He's talking to his producer, you know, who we never hear his producer. It's just Casey on the mic and just starts ranting about how many times he going to tell him not to come out of a blankety blank up tempo number into a blankety blank death, death dedication. And he just starts ranting. And all of a sudden he says, and where are the pictures I've been waiting for? And you're like, what pictures? You know, it's so pictures it's, a dead dog. That's how I, does I mean, it. it's so funny. And he's like, get, get Steve on the phone. Get Steve. I mean, it's just this classic rant. And you, because you're used to, it being the voice of Shaggy or, you know, Casey Casey was always, you know, positive, upbeat, you know, whatever, when he's sure. doing the show. And it's just so out of character. I, I, I love it. Uh, definitely go listen to that. So LBJ orders pants and Casey Kasem snuggles. And um, um, Orson Welles wine. Orson Welles wine. I don't know if I've heard this one. He was trying to sell wine, oh, the wine in his later years. And there's like this whole big outtake reel and he's just trashed. Like the guy's trashed <laughs> and he's trying to get through this read and he's just, he's not getting through it. And uh, it's, it's, there's one point where he says like, ah, the French and he goes, ah, <laughs> and it's just, I, mean, I don't know what he's saying, but yeah, I, I, yes, I recommend that. One. We may have to put, we may have to put links to these in the, in the show notes. I actually did a Photoshop. I did a threat level Clemson and I Photoshopped, uh, I think Davo's face onto Orson Welles. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm something like that. It. I love it. Anyway. Anything else in the mailbag before we wrap? This, no, that's uh, it. That's wrap this burrito. But I love keep it. sending them in, and we appreciate them, and and we'll keep answering. Yeah, Alvin, that was great. You got me. Uh, you got me going there uh, on the metaverse, and and Johnny, thanks for bringing up LBJ because those those I, I I could spend an obscene amount of money, uh, money time rather, uh, time and money are inverse. Time related. is money. 
time is money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On, on YouTube, uh, my daughter laughs at me because I tend to watch um, like food videos on YouTube. So we'll pull mm -hmm. up YouTube on, you know, the smart TV in the living room kind of deal. And yeah. there's a, like a, a, a Korean YouTuber named Yummy Boy who <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry andy i'm <laughs> and, sorry yeah yummy the admission boy. that you listen that that you're a big fan of a korean youtuber named yummy boy there's is something that i will never forget as there, long as i live there is and, a korean youtuber named yummy boy who, who, who I, does these videos you know what we're running long and i don't care because because it doesn't really matter because I got that oh. one tidbit out of you. And that is, that is going to make <laughs> the rest of my life. I don't care. I don't, I'm not even going to listen to you for the rest of this because I'm really <laughs> going to have to imagine what kind of rapt mm. attention that you pay to yummy boy, Korean YouTuber. The setup as, is so funny. So there it's, it's like Korean street food or, sure. or Korean, you know, it's all food. There's never any narration. It's really good camera work, but you watch them making like, you know, this little fried cheese donut sandwich balls, you know, like something really ridiculous that like, I've never seen that before, but you watch mm -hmm. it and it looks really interesting, but you have, and so it'll start off and you're following it. You're like, oh, okay, he's put in 78 eggs into this commercial scale mixer. Oh, okay. Yep. Here's some flour. Oh, here's, and then all of a sudden there's just a hundred other ingredients that you have no idea what they are like at all. And you're like, Oh God, what did they do? And then all of a sudden over here's the, anyway. Yeah. Kira laughs at me because I love the yummy boy videos. So, <laughs> all right, let's park this trolley friends. That's going to do it for this edition of the Dubcast. I hope you had as much fun as we did. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about the latest personnel moves from the Ohio state football and basketball teams. We'll keep you abreast of the machinations of the transfer portal and any other news that's fit to print and or broadcast. Do send us your questions uh, for ask us anything as well, because the off season is here and we, we want to have more fun uh, with things like <laughs> uh, random YouTube uh, inclinations and the, the metaverse. So until then I'm Andy, I'm yummy boy. Thanks for joining us on the 11 dub guest.